listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a very, very important source of your protein on your plate, which is your meat, beef and chicken, things like that. I'm going live today with Kevin Muno, who grew up in Southern California with the dream of being a professional baseball player. And as a collegiate baseball player, he explored ways he could nourish himself with the most nutrient-dense foods. We're diving into his company, which is Perennial Pastures, and they're located there in San Diego. I actually discovered them as I was going at the farmer's market, up and down all the aisles, looking around, and I was like, wait a second. They have ancestral blend beef, and they have chicken or beef broth. I'm all in. So... Joined today by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing great, Jen. How are you? I'm super. Got my green tea going on. You got your decaf coffee. Life is good. Life's good. Okay. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your background? Did you see that you you were reaching for the stars, wanting to be a baseball player? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. That was my dream, really, since I was five years old. I come from a pretty athletic family. My dad played football at Notre Dame, and my mom was a track and field star at UCLA and my brother played in the big leagues. So we have baseball and sports deep in our blood. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that was my life up until probably I was 21 years old at the time. I went to University of San Diego on a D1 scholarship there and was lucky enough to play with a great group of guys there and had a really fun time and wouldn't change anything for the world. My junior year, I suffered a season-ending injury. Junior year is kind of a critical year for getting into the draft, the MLB draft. And I was hopeful that, you know, I might get drafted. I wasn't a top prospect, but there was a small chance I might go into the later rounds. But the universe had different plans for me. So I got injured, couldn't continue that season, really just started thinking about other things in life that would suit me at that time, did kind of a deep soul search, if you will. At that same time, I started really getting serious with my now wife of 11 years, Dina Muno, we met in college, and some other things, you know, just uh, I was really into meditation, thanks to my baseball coach, and kind of did a deep dive inward and just started searching what would suit me as a career, and what would I be happy doing. So I feel like I was really called to kind of a life of food. It didn't happen right off the bat. I was a software salesman for a year out of college and just didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do and was lucky enough to work for a great software company that we got some stock options in and went public when we were there. So by sheer luck, was able to put a little nest egg away and work there for exactly a year, vest those stock options, and then go out into the world and really ask myself, what is it, you know, again, that I want to do? So I'm a third generation Californian on both sides, but I'm a first generation rancher. So I grew up going to the Eastern Sierras with my grandpa, my family, and really had an appreciation for the outdoors and nature. 
So I knew I liked that. And I knew I liked food. I come from a pretty big family. Both my parents come from families of five. So I always felt at home during our family meals and celebrations and Christmas. So I kind of tried to look at a career that could combine, you know, a love of nature, love of food, a love of community and sort of farming just came up. And it was this one moment, my wife and I were flying over Ireland on a trip, a Euro trip after we uh, left the software company. And uh, I told her that I wanted to be a, a farmer or a rancher, you know, she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, sounds good. You know, and so one thing led to another, I got into gardening, I started an ecological landscaping business, I started a consulting company with a couple gurus in regenerative agriculture. And one thing led to another. 2013 was really the beginning of that journey for me when I took a permaculture design course. And then I was always keen on having the most impact possible. And when I found regenerative agriculture and regenerative ranching in particular, I said, wow, this is something that scales and that can restore ecosystems very broadly. You know, our grasslands are huge. There's a lot of desertified land in the West and in the world. So it was an immediate love affair sort of with regenerative ranching and took every course I could find, worked with some of the best names in the industry and just really educated myself on the ins and outs of this. And so in 2020, I was lucky enough after a couple regenerative agriculture business endeavors, I was lucky enough with a group of investors to buy a local cattle company here in San Diego County. We bought a, a fifth generation cattle company that had two leases, two 8,000 acre leases. So since 2020, I've been managing that company and been building it. And uh, yeah, we have the cattle company, which is called Landscape Function Management. We do a little consulting and service work out of there. And then that's also tied in with Perennial Pastures Ranch. Yeah, they're nested entities, if you will. And Perennial Pastures Ranch started in 2021, a little bit after the cattle company, after we got the fencing and water infrastructure done. And yeah, we've been going ever since. This is really, I'd say our first full year, 2023. 2022, we just kind of soft launched in farmer's markets. But 2023 is kind of our coming out party, if you will. We are in 13 farmers markets now, and we have a online direct-to-consumer shipping business too, where we can ship uh, beef and chicken and broth and all the good things straight to your doorstep. And uh, yeah, it's been a really fun journey. I love it. So let's dive into what makes your products so much more superior, especially what people are going to find in the grocery store. I tell people, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're looking for beef, pork, chicken, this is like conventional farming, correct? There's growing interest from retailers in regenerative. It's very easy to hide behind labels at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find, you know, you can't, you can't talk to the farmer. You could, you could call them up and find their website. It's growing, I'd say. Regenerative is growing, but there's a ton of greenwashing going on and the most greenwashing is occurring at the grocery store. So yeah. yeah, hard to find. Do you want to dive into any of those labels that may be greenwashing you to believe that it's actually healthy when it's not? That's what we're here for, Kevin. We're reading the labels together. Read the labels podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Well, certainly I feel like USD organic has been watered down over the years. Mm-hmm. I think at the genesis, all the organic farmers getting together and talking about a unified certification for that, the early movements, just like a lot of things are great, you know, and I think the the focus for organic early on was soil health, but then 
soon got co-opted by larger forces. And it's really hard, I think, now to get around some of the things that are within organic. Like there's so many approved pesticides within organic. And it's really just checking a box. It's not an ethos anymore. It's not, in my opinion, there's not a ton of authenticity in it. It's like, hey, don't do this and you'll get this label. Mm-hmm. Whereas regenerative is really born out of making something better, not doing less harm. So that's what we're all about here at Perennial Pastures. And it's fun to see the emerging labels that are coming out for regenerative. We are a part of a regenerative certification called Regenified, which has been started by some of the leaders in the regenerative movement. Gabe Brown, Alan Williams, Shane New are some of the founders of that company. And it's great because they have a deep, deep knowledge of what truly healthy soil is and what restoring ecosystems means. Mm -hmm. So that's behind the label. And they've put an amazing certification together. It's a whole tiered process. So we're in tier one. We don't even get the label for tier one. You know, we're spending close to 10 grand a year for that baseline soil sampling work, but we don't even get the label. So it's a high bar, you know, you got to raise yourself, raise your game to get into that tier two, where then you get the label. That means you've actually done the work, you've proven the results. And the higher you go in that tiered system, the harder and harder it is to achieve it. And you can only stay in any one tier for about three years. So we specifically pick that because it's constantly raising the bar. You can't get complacent. A lot of people go get a label, check a box and kind of go back to business as usual, where this approach really challenges you to constantly be making the farmer ranch better. And that's really at the end of the day, there's no sort of upward cap on regenerative agriculture's ability to heal land. We are so far away from where our ecosystems used to be in terms of what perennial grasses look like, what soils used to look like. If you go to the prairies, there's amazing diversity, tons of perennial plants, super deep root systems, intact aquifers. Same here in California, if you read the original accounts of the Spanish coming over, very lush grasslands, both warm season and cool season grasses, constant cover in the soil, flourishing oak trees, flourishing wildlife, ton of flowers. And now we have, you know, a few annual grass plants that get green for you know, two to three months out of the year and the rest of, you know, the year, the landscape is not healing. It's not photosynthesizing. So that's why we have these floods when we have these past year's rains and all sorts of issues. So yeah, we're, we're excited to kind of start tapping into that potential. We're early on in the journey. We talk about regenerative being a process, but we just try to be transparent as much as we can. We have farm tours every month, 45 people come out and we show them, we show them the fencing, we show them the water, show them the cows, talk about our programs. They can ask us any questions that they want. So I feel as though you dove into a bit about defining what regenerative farming is, right? It's a live ecosystem, the soil. A lot of these people probably haven't heard of regenerative farming. They don't know why they're looking for that. They don't understand what makes the beef better or the cows why is it higher quality beef? Why should they be eating it? So you want to break that down? Sure. So in its simplest form, regenerative agriculture is mimicking nature with your agricultural practices. So in a ranching setting, 
That means moving our cows around in the landscape like bison or buffalo used to move around in a landscape. So the bison and buffalo would move around because they had a predator-prey relationship intact. Now we don't have those prey species anymore. So we have to use a network of fencing and water so we can get high-density grazing on the landscape to knock the grasses down, to consume a lot of the grasses, leave a mulch on the soil, and to essentially have a portable fertilizing system where the animals spread their dung and urine at these different sites across the whole ranch. In continuous grazing or conventional grazing, the animals get to choose where they get to go in these very large pastures. And oftentimes they concentrate their nutrients, dung and urine in a given spot. So we're mimicking nature by moving these cattle around constantly, getting a high density grazing effect. Also, when they get into these denser herds, they sort of impact the land in a way that restores germination. They push seeds into the soil, which can stimulate germination. So why is this all important? Well, that's the foundation for building healthy soil. Nature's been building healthy soil for eons, and we're just trying to follow her lead, if you will. So why is healthy soil important? Well, healthy soil is important because so healthy soil leads to nutrient density. We're now finding that out. And we've known it intuitively for a long time. If you've had a good garden-grown tomato, you know that it tastes different than a store-bought tomato. That's because you take special care of your soil. You're using compost and you know worms and all sorts of things in your garden, whereas you know the conventionally grown tomatoes really just trying to grow a plant in sterile soil. So through the work of the Bionutrient Food Association, which is an organization run by Dan Kittredge and his team, they raised a lot of money. They're doing some amazing things with quantifying nutrient density. And they've done it now with 10 crops. The biggest variation that they've seen was in spinach. They took a conventionally grown spinach leaf and a regeneratively grown spinach leaf, and it was 365 to 1 in terms of antioxidant levels. So that was the biggest variation that they saw in any one crop. Now, most of them are a lot less than that, but even still, if it was 10 to 1, 11 to 1. And so they're defining nutrient density, what that means, and they're doing that with beef now. And we plan to take part in that study. Again, we're at the beginning stages of really rotating our animals around in a way that's going to heal the land. But we're excited to be at that baseline level where we can study the baseline soil health metrics and then we can also correlate those with the nutrient density of the food that we're producing so to be a part of these studies you got to send in a soil sample a forage sample a meat sample and a dung sample and they look at all four of those across the spectrum study them one of the main doctors in this work is dr stefan von vliet and he's already come out with some papers about how grass-fed and finished beef regeneratively grown beef is more nutrient dense than conventionally grown beef. So really excited about that because to us, it opens up a whole new frontier and conversation about where your dollar's being spent and how many nutrients mm -hmm. are you getting for that dollar. We get some comments like, oh, well, you know, your ground beef is $12 a pound and I could go to Walmart and get it for $8 a pound. But if you're getting, you know, three times less nutrients, how far is your dollar really going? You know, 
So yeah, you're gonna have to spend it at the doctor or on medication. You know what I always tell people is you are what your cow eats. Yeah. And a lot of the conventional meats out there, they're being fed GMO crops, they're being fed corn, soy, wheat. And so do you want that? Do you want that to become a part of your gut microbiome as well? No, you want to be informed, you want to be educated, you want to be aware of how you should be properly buying your meats and regenerative grass-fed and finished. That brings me to when people see grass-fed beef at the grocery, what does that actually mean? Does that mean that it's fed grass its whole life? It's not really regulated tightly. There are some certifications around grass-fed specifically where folks will come out like the Grass-Fed Alliance, I believe it is. We don't have it just because we have such a pretty open conversation with our customers and they could come out anytime and see it. We want to invest in some technologies too, you know, like, you know, 24-7 cameras on the ranch, GPS ear tags so our customers can see where the herd moves and how it moves. And, oh, yeah, they're, you know, they say they do high-density grazing. Yeah, those cows are bunched up, you know, pretty much constantly. So, yeah, there are some labels that you can trust and look at. But, again, I think part of it too is trying to either get behind the label or cut the label out and just go meet your rancher or farmer and shake their hand and ask them all these detailed questions. You know, what's your soil health plan? What do you feed your cows? You know, what breeds are they? You know, what's your finishing program? There's so many good questions to ask and we, we get a lot of those on these tours. So it's fun. I mean, there's no replacement for that. No label can compete with you actually having a direct relationship with the person that provides you your sustenance three times a day. Mm-hmm. I want to start diving into the things you offer because I think they're all amazing. But what is the deal with pasture-raised chicken? Is that the highest quality label someone should be looking for? And what does that mean that it's pasture-raised? Yeah. So actually, you had our chicken farmer on your podcast, Tyler Dolly. Oh, okay. So you get the chicken from him. We do. Yeah. And we private label it. And we're going to start probably producing our own chicken here soon in San Diego County. But we were seeking a chicken producer and he reached out. And after researching his methods and what he does on the land, it was a no brainer for us to buy from him and sell to our community here in San Diego. So yeah, Tyler from Big Bluff Ranch. He's great. He's awesome. Yeah, he yeah. really knows his stuff on the poultry side of things. He grazes some cows as well with his dad, Frank. And he's just a, he's a good man. He knows about soil health. He's been doing this a long time. And so, yeah, I mean, pastured poultry is really at the top in terms of nutrient density. Now, poultry are, you know, omnivores. So, they'll eat, you know, bugs, grains, seeds, grass you know, all sorts of things. So they need, you know, a certain type of diet to thrive. They can't survive on just grass alone. So Tyler feeds his chicken peas for protein and wheat for the grain. And it's all organic right now at this point. Although what we're looking at is potentially growing the grains in house and having the grains be regeneratively grown. Because again, you can hide behind some of those organic labels and how nutrient dense actually is that grain, you know, is Is the farmer that's growing that feed just checking a box himself or is he really investing in soil health? So we're trying to go deeper and have one of the first truly regenerative chickens that are out there. There's a lot of companies that are 
moving chickens around and saying it's regenerative. But when you really look at the whole supply chain, a big part of chicken and pork farming is the feed costs. You know, I think the last time I checked, and I could be wrong on this, but I do know that the majority of the calorie intake of the chicken or the pig is from, you know, the inputs, the feed, the grain, and the protein, not from the pasture, right? So if that's the main thing that's going through their system and they're getting some nutrients, I'd say 80-20. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but just say the majority, 80-20, is coming from their feed source, not the pasture. Then you should probably really know where that's coming from and how that feed is grown, you know, and that's what the upper echelons of this Regenified program do is they start to equate how the feed's grown, whether you're a dairy that feeds silage or whether you're a pasture pork farmer that feeds grains, they start to equate where that feed is grown and how it's grown. So that's what excites me about the upper echelons. And Tyler has just joined the regenerative program, the chief scientist for Regenify just came out to to his ranch and they're writing up his report right now. And that's cool. We hope and we're confident that he'll be in tier two and actually we'll be able to label for the first time some of our product with that regenerative seal because currently right now our beef does not have that label. We say regeneratively grazed, humanely raised on the pasture, but nowhere does it say, you know, regenerative. Actually, we have that on some of our farmers market signs. But again, it's a conversation and it comes up and people ask us what's regenerative and, you know, we train our whole staff on it and we watch movies and kiss the ground. And yeah, so. Cute. I love it. Yeah. Tell me this. We talked about kind of the benefits of the regenerative farming, the pasturees and the amount of nutrients. Is there more that you could dive into as far as why this is beneficial to be eating in one's diet? Sure. Yeah, if you look at some of these studies from Dr. Stefan von Vliet, the secondary compounds is really where grass-fed and grass-finished beef thrives. And what we're learning is the higher diversity of the forage in the animal's diet, the more there are of these secondary compounds. And these secondary compounds are carotenoids, polyphenols, antiviral, antifungal compounds, anti-inflammatory compounds. So the beauty of an herbivore is it can take something that we can't eat, like a bush, or I mean, we can eat acorns, but you know, flowers, shrubs, things in the ecosystem that have all these interesting compounds in them, and they can make them part of their meat. So whether you're having meat or milk, these herbivores are amazing. They can convert these substances that we can't eat, but they're very nutrient dense in and of themselves. So yeah, what we're finding is grass-fed and grass-finished beef from regeneratively raised pastures with a high amount of diversity have just more of these compounds in them. And the compounds, again, are amazing for you. You know, you feel different. You can notice the nutrient density. You're like, wow, that's sitting well with my stomach, or I haven't gotten sick in a while, or I feel less inflamed, you know? So, we're at the forefront of that. It's very early, but a lot of these early reports are very exciting from other producers that I've seen of the nutrient density of the food and the reports that Dr. Stefan von Vliet is coming out with. So, 
Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, why do I want that for me? Okay. Let's dive into, I know when I was at the farmer's market, my top two favorite things that I got from you all were the beef sticks and the beef bone broth. Yeah. What was kind of your inspiration for doing this beef sticks? Just a shelf stable snack that folks could have that's high protein and nutrient dense. And we've just come out and launched an ancestral beef snack stick too which has our liver and heart in it. So we're super stoked on that too, because the liver and heart just in and of themselves are nutrient dense parts of the cow. So, you know, they have high amounts of choline and folate and all the B vitamins. So that was sort of the genesis around the beef sticks. And then the beef bone broth was really to just utilize the whole animal, use the bones. The bones are a good percentage of the carcass, about 10%. And so we want to develop a product from that that could really focus on remineralizing the body. You know, there's so many great minerals and bones, phosphorus, potassium, calcium. And so, yeah, you know, it's great for the gut too. We're looking at doing more of a cleaner bone broth as well. What I mean by cleaner is, I guess, less vegetables. There's a lot of folks that are doing sort of this very intense elimination process, you know, trying to get away from any inflammatory foods that they can. So like we have tomato in our broth and a couple other vegetables that by some, you know, they see as potentially if you have very serious gut inflammation, it's good maybe to just kind of cut those out for a while. So like maybe just like a straight bone broth, maybe with just like carrots or something, you know, but maybe that would be a fun thing for your listener group, we could do like a survey is like, how would you design your bone broth? You know, if you're trying to truly heal and do somewhat of an elimination and you want to, you know, consume more bone broth to heal, maybe you got leaky gut or you're trying to heal yourself a little bit more, you know, simply Mm -hmm. what what would that recipe be? You know, sort of looking into that because we get a lot of requests for that at farmer's markets. Okay. Good to know. I was going to say I'm a Raven fan of it. And that's probably why, because it does have all the vegetables in it. So I feel like for everyone listening, this beef bone broth tastes like you've just eaten a whole bowl of grandma's amazing homemade chicken noodle soup. I mean, I find it has a chicken flavor in fact, and then you're just left with the broth at the end that you usually drink from the bowl. That's what this tastes like. Whereas normally, yes, I find if I drink other beef bone broths, they don't have all those vegetables in it. And it just tastes like the animal. It tastes like the barn. It tastes like the hay. I can smell the animal and I usually cannot, it's not palatable. So I really like this one, but I find with my clients, like this is outside of this talk, but I guess you touched on it of people trying to heal their leaky gut and how they should eliminate these things. Really people that have an inflamed gut, it's because they're eating like inflammatory foods across the board. Monday through Sunday, you know, three meals a day, three snacks a day, things like that. So I get people to just like wake up and discover, hey, the reason you're bloated and you feel so terrible is because you're eating all these inflammatory ingredients consistently. So if I can get them to remove, you know, 90% of those irritants and those inflammatory ingredients, then their body all of a sudden can handle tomatoes and they can handle onions. Now they're eliminated the inflammatory oils, the flowers, the sweeteners, the preservatives, like those are really the main things. Whereas if somebody is on a path of they're trying to heal their leaky gut and they think that 
these little vegetables in this bone broth are irritating them as well. Well, I hope they are eating like completely fresh every single day and they've been able to pinpoint it to these little things. So I think for the majority, like America's sick, the food is toxic because we have so many crazy chemicals and preservatives and ingredients we can't even recognize. But I know there's a market for it as well. I'm just saying I'm a fan of the the beef broth you got right now. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to get rid of it. Trust me. Okay, uh, good. That'll be the 80% of what we sell. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids also, they're Raven fans of the beef sticks. Those helped us on our road trip back home. We just threw them in our little ice chest and they said, mom, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, we're not going to Sonic. We're not going to Subway. Eat some beef sticks until we can get to our hotel and make a sandwich. I see you also have the Ancestral Ground Beef Blend. They're subscription boxes, correct? Yep. We have that. Yep. Okay. And so one should just go to perennialpastorsranch.com, which will also link to the podcast. Maybe you can share a couple of things that they maybe should start with there or what they should try. Yeah. The subscription box is always nice. We have some solo boxes as well. You know, the ground beef's a good staple, very cost effective. We have the ancestral blends, you know, that have 5% heart and 5% liver in them with 90% of our 85, 15 ground beef. We have some other cool combo boxes. So you could do like a beef snack stick and ancestral blend ground beef box. And we're constantly launching new subscriptions and bundle options just to make it convenient and nice. And one big thing we haven't really talked about too, is we have a whole bulk beef program too, to really incentivize the cost savings and the whole animal approach to eating, which again, there's much more than just ribeyes, fillets, and ground beef on a cow. There's, you know, roasts and different types of steaks and the bone broth. So we do holes, halves, quarters, eighths, and we're doing this new starter share too. So the starter share is only like 35 pounds of meat can fit in a just a normal freezer. But you start getting into some of the bulk price savings. You can get, you know, ribeyes for $15 a pound. So yeah, that's a nice way for families to shop too. And you can get a small freezer that can fit a quarter for like 200 bucks from Costco, you know. And if you're locally here, we're starting to do a deal. If you're in real need, we buy you a freezer actually. And uh, we'll brand it with Perennial Pastures branding. And we put that in your house and we fill it for you, you know. So we're doing a lot of that stuff just to make it easy on the bulk beef side of things. That's great. And for everyone listening, in order for you to take action, save a bit of money here on your first order, you can get 5% off if you grab the link beneath the podcast. All right, Kevin, with that being said, do you want to share maybe a wake up moment that you had in your life that was a pivotal moment, whether it was personally or professionally that you'd like to share? Yeah. Let's go. So when I hurt myself in college, I broke my left hand. I was hit by a 95 mile an hour fastball. And it broke my third metacarpal here in my hand. So I went to the hospital. I finished the game, went to the hospital. And I was sitting there in the ER just feeling sorry for myself. And my season's over, you know, potentially my professional aspirations going down the drain. And I'm sitting there and the guy next to me is in the bed, hooked up to a bunch of tubes. He's on a ventilator. And I asked the nurse, you know, hey, what's going on with this guy here? And she goes, you know, he's got a gunshot wound to the head. He's in a gang-related accident. and His family's just coming in. We're probably going to pull the plug and, you know, 
he doesn't have much longer kind of deal. So right away, I just, you know, took that into perspective. And here I am feeling sorry for myself and somebody's struggling for their life, you know. So I just, that was kind of my moment of, all right, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be a baseball player. So the lesson I think in there is you could work your whole life for something, you know, and have an abrupt change. And I think the the struggle or the challenges is to go inside and figure out, you know, what the universe is calling you to do. I feel like if we had more people in the world doing what they're passionate about, I think that's what this whole great resignation, you know, deal is about in our economy is folks just tired with the drudgery of the nine to five and not feeling called and passionate about what they do. So it's never been easier to start your own business and go out there and create value. So for me, that was the beginning of really tapping into what I'm meant to do in life. And I can honestly say, I feel like I'm called to be a rancher. I'm called to regenerate this planet. And I want everybody else in this world to feel the same passion that I have when I wake up every single day. I wish it for everybody and I pray for it. So I love it. How inspiring. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. I'm sure you're well more seasoned as a farmer, but my husband and I, we're currently looking at buying just a tiny bit of land, like five acres. And we're nice. looking at the miniature cows. Have you ever seen oh, them? Yeah. A miniature sure. cow and a dwarf goat, because sure. I'm like, I can take care of an animal, but I need to start small. I don't want to be responsible for this huge cow sitting, you know, 20 minutes away on a piece of land. But yeah, we're going to try to grow yeah. our own stuff and just maybe start farmer's market selling something. But yeah, we're like, we want to do something with our time that we can watch things grow and help things. So I'm excited. It's a good feeling. Yeah. My wife and I, we live on five acres here in San Marcos and it's been fun. And we have a dairy cow and my son's first word was moo. And, you know, so it's been, yeah, it's been really fun to see, have that connection. Yeah. It's a peaceful life. It's a good lifestyle. Amen. Amen. Especially in today's world. All right, Kevin, um, everybody listening, go to perennialpasturesranch.com. It's also going to be linked. Remember, there's a code to get or a link to get 5% off and then also follow them on social media. And I appreciate you taking your time out of your day, Kevin, to share a little bit about your company and how it can change people's taste of their food, the quality of their food and their gut. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 